Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to Magic Through My Eyes. If this is your first time here, welcome. My name is Andy, and Magic Through My Eyes is a Disney podcast all about the things that I love about Disney and its various forms and expressions, all from my perspective. So today is a super fun episode, kind of a total left turn from what I usually have done on the show, but so I'm a little nervous, but I'm also very excited because today we are going to be talking about none other than the classics Frozen and as some would argue Frozen 2. And what we're going to be talking about is, well, this episode is affectionately called The Frozen Feud. And so a conversation like this cannot be just me dialoguing with myself. I have to have a friend, and that friend is none other than one of my best friends. Her name is Lindsay, and I am so excited to have her on the show today. Uh, Lindsay and I, we were talking I think a little bit ago and maybe like a month ago realized that we have now been friends for 10 years, Yeah, which is just wild and (laughs) bonkers. And uh, I'm just so like grateful to have a friend like Lindsay. And so uh, Lindsay lives in Orlando, Florida and is the perfect guest for a show like this because she works for the mouse himself at Walt Disney World. And she is a part of the entertainment team, which is just the bee's knees in my opinion. So Lindsay, welcome to the show. Hi. I'm so excited to get to, you know, talk some more Disney, Um, especially with you, because our talks are more than just like the average Disney talk. We go into it. So I am very excited to feud with you today. (laughs) Yes, feuding will be the main goal of today. But honestly, like we always enjoy nerdy Disney conversations. We always have. It's one of the reasons that we became friends. Um, But I think... Also, it's just refreshing to hear things from different people's opinions, um, even if they do differ. So, and why I bring that up is because I 100% am on Team Frozen. And Linz, you're on Team Frozen too. I am. I am. I can't can't say that I have a very special love for the first Frozen film. Um, Mm. But the second one really brought me in. So... So basically today we're going to be talking all about that and our differences of opinion and honestly just like learning new things and I think it'll be really fun. Like I said, a total left turn from kind of what I've talked about here on the show before, but I'm like really excited. So... I always like to ask guests this question when they come on the show. So the question is, because this show is called Magic Through My Eyes, um, describe in three words like how um, you uniquely see Disney. Like what are your top three words of how you would describe how you love Disney, how you see the magic through your eyes? Oh, gosh. Now that I have so many different experiences, um, I think, okay, three words. Um connections is going to be my first one that's really cool um connection is yeah connections are a huge part and just connection like from the disney Mm -hmm. 
from the Disney films to the Disney parks to Walt himself. Uh, I'm yeah. going to go with connection for one. Well, um, that's how we became friends. I mean, because of our, our Disney connection. See, I'm just connecting people. Um, okay. I'm going to go with the next one that just kind of came into my mind. Like it just literally just like, just, like appeared. Just, just roll with it. Um, timeless. Yes. Like there's that, especially that plaque, word. the plaque that's in every single park that says, um, here you leave. Oh gosh, now I'm going to mess it up because I don't see it every day. Here you leave, but uh, I think here, here you, you leave, leave today. today and enter tomorrow and fantasy or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so timeless because all of the reasons that we don't need to go into, but, um, and I love that answer. I think that's awesome. How do I... Okay, there's like a phrase, so I'm trying to like condense it into the into one word. We um, allow hyphenated words on magic through my eyes, so... Oh, okay, glorious. <laughs> well, um, the childhood experience. Because hmm. every single Disney film, Disney park, um, honestly, just the essence of Disney is about not forgetting that child that believes in magic, that believes in possibility, that believes in um, the moment, like just living in the now, just living in the fun of things. Yeah. And yeah. That, wow. That's an excellent answer. I'm so <laughs> proud of you for pulling that out like you did. I totally should have asked you before we <laughs> started you know, recording this. Like <laughs> I would have come up with something silly, like, I don't know, sparkles. No, I, I love that. Well, thank you for sharing. Oh, and I totally forgot to mention this before. Lindsay was a bridesmaid in my wedding as well. And That's so, right. Yep. So, anyway. It was a beautiful gloves time Gloves are coming off. All right. And if we're getting into it. I thought before we actually, like, got got into it. Okay. Is um just kind of giving some history absolutely about frozen yeah Uh, because as i was doing some research and stuff i i realized that this was a it wasn't just a big deal like how we know it as a big deal Mm -hmm. um but walt disney from the time of his career in animation he wanted to make a movie based on this fairy tale called the snow queen by hans christian anderson yes and hans christian anderson Mm -hmm. uh, also wrote the little mermaid Yes. And I'm sure other classics that I am not I thinking of. Think is he did he also do the story of Rapunzel or is that the Brothers Grimm? I can't remember. I feel like he did another princess one, but anyways. Yeah. So anyways, Hans Christian Andersen wrote this fairy tale and so Walt Disney wanted to adapt it for screen for mm-hmm. the screen. I think it was in the 1940s, but it was one of those, it just never got off the ground uh, kind of things. They never gained traction on it. And then I don't know if you know this, you might know this, Lindsay, but they actually have concept art for an attraction that they were thinking about building at Disneyland that was based on the Snow Queen. Oh my and gosh. So I it, did not they, know that. Right? Isn't that crazy? So whenever they were getting they were needing inspiration for Elsa, Mm -hmm. they went to those drawings. And when you look at the original concept art for that attraction, you see so many similarities in the Elsa that we know today. Oh my gosh. Which I think is just so cool. Because that probably would have been at some point in the 1950s or 60s. And so uh, I may have to try to find this YouTube video. It was some interview, I believe, with the director of Frozen, one of the directors. Mm -hmm. Her name's Jennifer Lee. Yes. And she was, uh, I think she was able to go to the Disney archives and look at some of the concept art uh, for this Snow Queen attraction. 
And so it's oh just really goodness. fascinating to see it, but it was gorgeous. And again, just so reminiscent of Elsa yeah. that we that we all know and love. And so anyway, so Walt Disney tried to make this movie and it never happened. And then Michael Eisner, who was the CEO of the Disney company from the early 80s to the early 2000s, mm-hmm. he also tried to take a stab at the Snow Queen in the early 2000s. Oh, but wow. again, it just never worked. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is definitely one of those that they wanted, the company wanted to make for a really long time. And Absolutely. then it just so happened that the 2010s, it was just the right group of people, the yeah. right story, the right songwriters to yeah. create the phenomenon that Frozen <laughs> is today, yeah. which is just bonkers to me. And we can talk about that for hours, but we'll just say <laughs> Frozen has pretty much changed the world when it comes to family entertainment. Yeah. And it, it was it was just this like lightning in a bottle kind of mm-hmm. movie that mm-hmm. just like totally took over everything. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it's really cool that we now have movies like that that I now consider modern day classics and so yeah yeah for sure um I just think that that's really cool a fun fact for us I think why Frozen the Frozen story whether Frozen or Frozen 2 resonates with us is we each have a sister so Mm -hmm. you have your sister Elise and then I have my sister Nikki and so but we don't have any other sisters so it's just the two of us like Anna and Elsa so. I'm slightly nervous to start this conversation <laughs> because when it comes to Disney stuff, you and I agree pretty much. We see eye to eye pretty much on everything. Yeah, we do. And There's this a is lot the of th- one big one where it I'm is. like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Which is, but the thing is, is I, I don't think you've ever really had this conversation. Like, no. In, in the depth that we are about to go into it, because it's one of those things that it's been like, okay, well, you know, you have your belief. I have my belief. We're just going to understand it. Right. Um. <laughs> But, like, the reason that I I know that, you know, beyond just the talking about it, um, I I always love hearing other people's opinions, especially when they differ from my own, because that Mm -hmm. helps me expand my worldview. And, you know, so I'm I'm equal parts excited for this because I am curious to know why you like that first movie so much. (laughs) (laughs) So I thought basically because that was the tricky thing for me is where do we start the conversation because we know we have pros and cons to each we know we disagree and I think we will agree on some points with with Uh, both movies but I think the most appropriate place to start would be with the first film just because without the first there wouldn't be the second correct very valid yes that is true so I will accept um, that point that is a good point I think the brilliance of Frozen is that it brings us back to just a classic Disney fairy tale and I think with movies like Tangled we were definitely I say we like I was working for the Disney company at the time but (laughs) you you were there in spirit I was there in spirit (laughs) they were moving in that direction especially with movies like Princess and the Frog in 2009 and then Tangled I believe which came out the following year 2010 yes and then Frozen was in 2013 and so it was and this is an interesting point too, that any time that Disney has gotten back, I'll call it like back into its groove. Yes. The groove. Um, <laughs> sorry, Emperor's New Groove joke. The groove. But any time that Disney has gotten back genuinely into its groove, at, yeah. in a in a creative sense, in the mm-hmm. animated films that they produce, it mm-hmm. always starts with princess movies. 
Yeah. The first yeah. time ever that a full-length animated feature yep. was produced, it was Snow White Snow and the White. Seven Dwarfs. Mm-hmm. And then in the 1940s, when uh, the world was in a totally different place with World War II, what brought yeah. the Disney company back? Cinderella, Cinderella. in 1950. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. um, 1959 was when Sleeping Beauty came Beauty, out. Yeah. And then when Disney was going through the post-Walt era and some interesting films came out of that time, <laughs> what was the movie that put them back on the map? The Little Mermaid. Yeah. And that kicked off what's now referred to as the Disney Renaissance. And then we yes. got classics like Beauty and the Beast during that time. Yes. Aladdin, oh. Pocahontas, Mulan, you know, all of these yes. films. But it was kick-started with princess movies. Yes same thing with the era that we're living in now and with the cgi movies um Mm -hmm. the big one that kicked that off was tangled now princess Mm -hmm. and the frog was before that Uh, so it kind of again got the cogs moving again and then the world exploded when (laughs) we didn't get just get a princess movie but it was a two princess movie yeah and they got their first queen they got their first like not evil queen yeah Mm -hmm. Or a queen who was, like, still alive. Yes. Which is really cool. Never parents, but, like, that's a whole other thing. That's a whole other thing. (laughs) We'll talk about that on another (laughs) show. (laughs) But I just think that it's so interesting that this is always... Princess stories are always the stories that bring the Disney company back to their true essence of magic in storytelling. Yeah. And so that's one of the reasons I love Frozen is it just feels very... With the formula but unique in its own way of how it approaches it. And I think it's so fun that there is a Disney movie that has two female I want songs. Mm -hmm. There's the first time in forever for the first time in forever. And then obviously let it go. Like, and that's the crazy thing. I never thought that there could be a song that could be bigger than the movie that it's in, but let it go is like the proof of that. In my opinion, Cause like you can ask people, I can see that. Yeah. I mean, have you seen frozen and they may say yes or no, but if you ask them, have you heard, let it go, they will roll their eyes and say, yes. (laughs) Well, they'll either roll their eyes and be like, yes, I best believe they can probably do the chorus. Yes. Yeah. And you can best believe they'll do the chorus of it with like Mm -hmm. for you or with you. And it's, Um, it's just like, it's the ultimate I want song. It's not my favorite I want song. Mm-hmm. And sorry, I don't I don't remember if I've ever explained this on the show. They're just these songs that epitomize what your leading character wants in life. And they don't do it in a way that they're sorry for themselves. They're just dreamers and they want something more. All of these musical theater stories, they're they're all connected in some way. And I think each one mm-hmm. borrows off of the other. And that was one thing that I loved about Frozen is that it felt such like... It, it committed to being a musical where it's like mm-hmm. Tangled was yeah. almost there. Like they have a, a couple of great songs in there, but it's not a, f- right. <laughs> Speaking of, um, but it's not a full blown <laughs> musical like Frozen is. And so yeah. it just felt very nostalgic for me because it felt like the little mermaid or beauty and the beast because it was that way. And then just creating I see. Unique characters yeah. like Anna and Elsa. Anna being very relatable. And Elsa, I was listening to another podcast. I've brought this up many times already on Magic Through My Eyes. But there is a podcast called Disorder Every Disney Film that Disney animation yep. film lovers should absolutely yep. listen to. And they brought up this point on their episode talking about Frozen is that 
this is the first Disney princess movie where a princess has superpowers. Yes, which is, I think, why that movie exploded. Because every little girl wants, every, every single one of us, you know, not even every little girl, every child. Every child has always been like, whoosh! Yep. You know, we all pretend that we have magic, because we, we do have magic, but like, you know actual magic right. like that. I can't we've create an ice castle though, but I have magic yeah you right know. yeah I can't stamp on the ground and like pfft, right it's there um and so I think that was something that as as kids they said whoa yeah. so a little bit back I think another thing about Frozen that I really love is um it's just an interesting love story like I know mm-hmm. not everyone was like me mm-hmm. but when sorry if you haven't seen Frozen spoilers when Hans like turns in the final act of the movie I literally was like (gasps) like I I audibly gasped in the theater Uh, yes like 19 year old Andy freaked out (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. um that's the one thing I do like about Frozen the first one is like the theories you could get from that so for sure something about Frozen 2 I'm ready that I find to be a cheap shot Ooh. Is that I feel like in Frozen 2, the story writers were so concerned about answering these fan theories that they created a story with multiple holes that isn't cohesive altogether. But it's like we find out what happened to Anna and Elsa's parents because everyone wanted to know that from the first movie. And then there were these crazy theories that popped up. What if what if they were Tarzan's parents and all this, which I was like baloney, baloney from Balagna and, you know, different things like that. So that was answered. Um, How did Elsa get her powers? Mm -hmm. That was answered. And I think it was answered in a pretty confusing way, which I just don't think aids the story. And so. That's kind of something that I disagree about the way that they approached things in Frozen 2. But I would love, because I know we've talked a lot about Frozen, I would really love to hear what you love about Frozen 2, since that's the one that you prefer. Okay, so... A, I'm very intrigued just to hear as to your thoughts on the holes on why Elsa, or how Elsa got her powers. I'm interested on those holes, because I was actually very satisfied with that story. Um, Mm -hmm. But anyways, what I I really love about Frozen 2 is actually it's going to be the music and the songs and the way that they um, brought that to life even more. Because Mm -hmm. for me, like exactly how we were talking, um, the way that they set up a lot of these princess movies are very um, mirroring to uh, musical theater. In that they have an opening number and they have a big group number with a lot of ensemble and then they go into a like a usually um, another small song and then an I want song by our by our lead and mm-hmm. that's what I loved about Frozen Two is that they truly started out with like an ensemble number and starting out with um, so oh gosh never change yeah some things never change mm-hmm. um, and that also brings in this beautiful sort of we catch up as to what's happened since we last left off with these characters. Mm -hmm. Um, We see that Olaf has matured, which I love because I will say I really cannot stand Olaf in the first movie. (gasps) I I know this is going to get me lots of uh, differing opinions, but I cannot stand Olaf in the first one. I, I find him to be, 
obnoxious on the side of annoying on this side of annoying i just cannot stand him um i know what they were going for in the sidekick but i do not like how they did it um and so when they have this a little bit more mature olaf i find him to be hilarious and i love him Mm -hmm. in the second film um but anyways so I love all of the musical choices that they make in the second film and how that is a lot of um, how they choose to bring, like, the spirits to life, which is a beautiful way to do it. Um, But that little, you know, ah, that little bit that they have Mm -hmm. for all of the spirit, um, the nature spirits or whatever, um, I find that to be beautiful. I find that there is more, to me, there seems to be more depth of just like musical arrangement in the music especially with show yourself i find show yourself to be one of the most beautiful songs in that film um i think that the themes that they go into in frozen 2 are beautifully done like seeing especially seeing anna process um her grief Mm -hmm. in the and which is interesting because that is the final song of the movie. They don't end That's it with true. a big finale, which I do love that choice. Really? Um, I do like that choice. Yeah, because huh. it I think that it closes um it doesn't need to go back into you know, a lot of the times the way that musical theater will do things and the way that Disney will do things is they will pull from that opening number. And I don't think that with the ending of Frozen 2 you should be pulling from some things never change. Because I think that whole movie is about change. Mm-hmm. Honestly, that movie is change. Right. And so I don't think that they, I think that the way that they did end it was, uh, I liked it. Mm-hmm. I liked it without a big grand finale musical number bookend that mm-hmm. most, that we are used to having from our Disney movies. Um, Frozen, uh, since you bring that up, Frozen doesn't have a big ending number either. It doesn't. So I would be curious then, what would you have them end with for the first Frozen? You know, would you have Ooh, them end question. with, because the opening number for Frozen is, you know, the ice cutters. Yes. And that was so, actually, I'm really glad that you brought that up because I want to come back to that song, Frozen Heart. So I'm going to put a pin in Frozen Heart. And um, I think they did do, kind of like in Pocahontas, how they do the, just they borrowed from the melody of one of the songs Mm -hmm. in the score to end the movie. They did that in Frozen with the melody from For the First Time in Forever. And that seems to me like the perfect button, like way to button up the story to be like For the First Time in Forever. We're like actually here. The gates are open. We're both here. And to write... And that would have been cool because they'd already did the reprise of For the First Time in Forever during their conflict when they Anna did. got struck in her yes. heart. And so it it's would have kind of brought the... Beautiful orchestration. Oh my gosh. I can't. Can't. With For the First Time in Forever <laughs> reprise. But how beautiful. cool would that have been to do a second reprise of that to be like the redemption of the second, of like the first reprise, I mean. Okay. You know what I mean? I... Yeah. No, I can see that. Wait. Are you saying... Um... Of the first one, or the, the are you saying what, the first? I'm so sorry. What re-reprise. I meant was the first reprise, like yes. the second time you hear that song, but it's of the first the, reprise as the as the reprise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, now I will say, we're mm-hmm. sorry. Were you going to say something? No, I'm just thinking through. I'm listening in my head. I'm listening okay. to the reprise and like putting that on the end of the movie. And 
just some like new fresh lyrics for it and like give yeah. Elsa her inspirational like give her a similar melody to the reprise instead of saying I'm such a fool I can't be free you know something about her finally being free because love. she found out yeah. what because of love yes. and how love is what will melt the frozen heart yeah. and that's the whole that's like Thing. the genesis and the core of yes. that story is I, about yeah. love melting love like how she says love love conquers all of course yeah. and you know and so Absolutely. I think that would have been really cool to see that for Frozen 2, I don't know what I, I would have done. I, so I do like that ending, actually. Um, let's call I it that lyricist. I don't hate the ending Disney. of Frozen 2. I really you don't. I don't hate, hate the ending of Frozen 2. Oh. <laughs> I was like, you no. hate it? Hello? No. It. No, not at all. And I <laughs> the think the orchestration for it is beautiful. Oh, yes. Um, but I, I think, think that it, what they, so what I think that they could have ended Frozen 2 with, if we are going to talk, you know, bookending it with a grand finale um, Disney's true Disney style is I think that they then should have done um, a reprise of show yourself because See, that makes sense to me everyone everyone knows into the unknown you know and that's the big song that's that big song from this movie um, from Frozen 2 yes however I think one of the one of the very beautiful gems from this movie is um, show yourself and mm. I think that that a, because the thing is, is Elsa has so many different, you know, layers to her character and what she's going through. And I don't know if you've listened, I know you have, but um, I also find that her, she has, I like characters that have a lot more depth. And so I respect mm-hmm. her more because I've also listened to the Broadway's Frozen um, soundtrack. Yes, and now like, the Broadway Frozen, oh, how they expand oh, on Elsa's character is monster, wonderful. Oh yeah. Monster is just, it's everything i need in life and like oh if you haven't if you haven't listened to the frozen broadway soundtrack i highly recommend it and really focusing on listening to elsa's Elsa's character yes um because they really do help develop her character further yes um besides just let it go which is also amazing on yeah oh my gosh even way better done and not as um uh, annoying Ooh. I think that let it Lins, go. Those are fighting words. Is well, you know what? We are fjord, feuding, 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 fjording, fjording. It's a play on words. Feud, we got fjord. It. We are, um, we are feuding. So I do think that let it go has gotten to the point that it is annoying to me, and that is just because I a I am not the biggest fan of Idina Menzel's voice. I am not the biggest fan of how she delivers things. Uh, um, ni- neither am I singing and so i don't like the classic uh let it go um from the movie itself that's fair i love the pentatonics version of it Mm -hmm. i really appreciate cassie levy's version in the broadway show because i think that there is way more character inflection in how she Mm -hmm. does it um it's not just this i don't know in the movie i'm gonna belt you know (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it just feels like, yeah, I'm going to belt right now because this is my moment and I'm on my mountaintop. And See, it's that's, like, mm, okay, Elsa. And I totally get that. And I feel similarly about Adina Menzel. I think mm. she's super talented and I'm here for it. But also, I'm not the hugest fan of her voice either. Yes. But I think she plays the role of Elsa really well. And I think her voice is suited for the character. Here's my thought, though. Kind of what we were talking about, how you said, let it go just feels like the belt off of like I'm just gonna belt because I can you know that's kind of how I feel about Into the Unknown is like they were trying to top let it go yes 
And they're just like, well, we'll just have her belt for longer for every chorus in the song. Yes. Now, granted, I think Into the Unknown is a really great song, but yes. I do think about that. One of the weaknesses of it, it's like you're trying so hard to be let it go. They're just doing that like building block process in hopes of getting, you know, where Frozen 2 was and, or Frozen was, which I, I can't even imagine you know, having so much success from a movie to then say, okay, great, we're going to tackle giving it a sequel and giving it, you know, new songs, new music. Like, I can't even yeah. imagine that process. And um, Yeah, it's for sure. It has to be daunting. Like, it's... And, yeah. And did you... Okay, did you on Disney Plus, did you ever watch the documentary? I, yes, of, I have. And okay. I've, I haven't watched it through more than once, but I've watched certain episodes, I think, more yes. than once. And I loved Into the Obsessed. Unknown, the making of Frozen 2. Yes. I thought it was super cool. But I was that kid, and I, I hope that uh, some people who listen to the podcast will relate to this, who my favorite part of Disney DVDs was to watch the bonus features. And basically what we now know as... The modern day documentary, it yep. was the making of whatever movie it was. And that's yep. how I started getting all like nerdy about Disney stuff was by watching these for hours. And so um, the Frozen 2 documentary felt like a callback for me to Absolutely. my childhood of watching oh, yes. those bonus features over 100%. and over. And so I loved it for that. And okay, so speaking of Into the Unknown, my okay. favorite part of the documentary, I can't remember if it's episode one or episode two. But it's when they are going into the recording studio with the whole orchestra to record the instruments and the orchestrations for Into the Unknown. I cry every time I I watch that scene. It's only like two minutes. But it's incredible. It's 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 one of the most I can't even articulate how I it's just one of the most incredible things that I have ever witnessed and like watching as a performer. And that's something I've dreamed of is being in a recording studio because, okay, so yes. Lindsay, you'll probably relate to this. Did you ever see like old video clips of, um, for Beauty and the Beast when they were recording the orchestra for that? <sighs> yes. Okay. And you have Alan Menken and Howard yeah, Ashman and Howard there, Ashman and in the flesh. Oh my and then gosh. what's so cool friends in the booth. who don't know that, uh, what was so unique about Beauty and the Beast is they recorded the orchestra and the vocals at the same time. And mm-hmm. so you've got Angela Lansbury and Paige oh O'Hara gosh. and the whole cast in these different vocal booths, but they're all in the same like recording space basically as the orchestra and they're all recording at the same time. It's... And so that moment oh, in the Frozen 2 documentary reminded me so much of that. Absolutely. From from Beauty and the Beast. Absolutely. And so that's definitely my favorite part of the whole documentary. And that that's one thing. Like I was talking to my husband about this earlier. Because I was asking him, you know, what should we talk about on this episode today? My husband went to film school, and so he has a really good, objective, more critical view of films overall. And he says, mm-hmm. when it comes to animation, I, it's just hard for me. He said, because I, I see the work that they do, and I, I could never do that. And, the, and that's something that okay. I think is so incredible about Frozen 2, is it's such a stunning film to see. Absolutely. Like the oh all goodness. of the the visuals, the colors, everything about it. I think setting it in fall was such a creative move. Oh, I think it was such beautiful. a good idea. Um, Correct. Because white girls in fall. Right. And <laughs> <laughs> but 
seriously, like it, it, it's so gorgeous. And so in no way, any of my opinions for Frozen 2, none of them are, none of my negative opinions of Frozen 2 are due to the look and the aesthetic of the film. Yes. Because it's one of the most stunning animated films I've ever seen. Like there's I no doubt. I think for me, like the most beautiful piece of animation in that film is when Elsa finally gets to, um, Otto Holland. Otto Holland, thank you. In my head, I was like Valhalla, and I knew that was wrong. <laughs> I was like, what is this? The Marvel's Avengers? No. Right. Um, but yeah, when she gets to Atahala and she um, goes into the ice, okay. and you just see all these beautiful reflections of color. Mm. And also, like, don't even get me started on the water spirit. Like, that animation Dude, is the, beyond the water mind boggling. Like, yes. Incredible. I cannot even oh my gosh stunning yeah literally some of the most stunning piece of animation i think disney has put out to this day is that horse Mm -hmm. specifically it's um but the colors and the the reflection the depth of all of those moments in atahala i ooh, it's yeah stunning it's so my favorite piece is right there i i think my favorite um is uh, just all the vibrant colors from the fall leaves, I think is my oh, yeah. favorite thing to look Absolutely. at in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to circle back to this before I forget. I'm jumping subjects a little bit. Yes. But good, jumping back to the song Frozen Heart, which is the song that yes. opens yes, yes, Frozen. Yes. I okay. think that is such a return to form for the Disney company to, to go uh-huh. there because, you know, another movie that opened with a male choir... The Little Mermaid with Fathoms Below. And I thought it was, and what's so funny is they took that, Little Mermaid was a Hans Christian Andersen story, and then The Snow Queen, also a Hans Christian Andersen story, they chose to start the films in a similar way with these swashbuckling or just like awesome dudes who are ice harvesters or are sailors on the sea. And they wrote... Didn't um, Pocahontas also start with a male Yes, Virginia Company, yeah. So yeah, literally, company. Yeah. and uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. this should be pointed out too. The Little Mermaid and Pocahontas are probably my favorite soundtracks of all time, <laughs> and so Correct. I am I am such but, a sucker for a good male choir. So ugh, I think that's another reason why I love God. Frozen the first one so much is because Fair. because some people may argue that you never see those characters again, and it's true you don't. But they they introduce this concept of the frozen heart which becomes very important and vital to the whole story yes and that's one thing which that is so um impactful to me about the frozen story the original story is that it's just so simple it's so concise it's efficient storytelling it's such a tight story in like a good way that um it doesn't waste any time it doesn't waste a beat and it answers questions along the way while presenting us with questions to other things like what did happen to Anna and Elsa's parents and for me mm-hmm. I'm okay with not knowing like I think yes it's, it's one of those like mysteries of life and I don't know if that's just me coming and like, because I love Jesus and you know Jesus is uh through whoa sorry I'm <laughs> touching my microphone I'm getting too excited because one of the ways that I feel like the Lord and I communicate is through the language of Disney. That's kind of how I see things. And, and, you know, I've known 
and walked with God for a lot of my life. And there are just some things in life that are a mystery that we don't know. And so I'm okay with that sometimes in stories, some of those answers, I'm sorry, some of those questions not being answered. Mm -hmm. And so for me, Frozen 2 just pushes too hard on like, but we're answering all your fan questions. We're telling you everything that happened. So, okay. May I? May I have a... Oh, please. May I butt in a little bit? Okay, so I think... continues. A, um, I think also we have grown up with accepting the fact that Disney parents usually aren't in the picture. This is true. As well. You know, I think that's something that we just were accustomed to um, in every single Disney film. You know, Tangled, I think, is the first... One of the first where both parents are there. Moana. Um, They aren't there till the end, but they're there. Um, So, like, we're used to, as a culture, not having um, parents to our Disney characters. So, um, but I think the fact that they were there in the story in Frozen, you know, the first one, they're there for their, for, for Anna and Elsa as kids. So they're introduced and they're a big part of it. And losing that, we see the loss. Like, that's one of the, few disney films where we see our the the main characters lose their parents that's true because it's in movies Um, like tarzan you see the loss but you never get to see until he's an adult how it emotionally impacts the character you don't see that until he goes back to the treehouse when he's yeah and and even then he can't fully understand it because he never knew like he is just he didn't truly like fully emotionally understand the loss of having parents like he could think about it but like and so i think that's a huge part of probably why they felt like they either in frozen 2 needed to answer that question Mm -hmm. or felt that it was important see i actually am of the opinion that frozen 2 isn't about answering where their parents went okay i think that they answer it to help elsa's story the point of Frozen 2 isn't saying, hey, here's what happened to their parents and here's this story. Here's, like, all these little tiny stories. These are all um, – they're all small building blocks that add up to Elsa's story. Mm-hmm. Because I think that at the end of the day, both of these movies are about Elsa. Hands and down. her growth as a character. It is two leading ladies. Yes. It is Anna and Elsa. But I think that the story is Elsa's. There's a reason and that I've on thought every about, poster, Elsa's at the center. Yes. And I think that even, I think these are all, um, or these are both almost told from Elsa's point of view. Hmm. Which, like, is kind of weird thinking about the first one especially because she really isn't in the first movie as much. You know, because a lot of it is Anna going after Elsa. That's true. Um, but I still think that both of them are told from Elsa's perspective. Um, and so in the second one, Elsa needs answers about where her parents went because again, that is guilt riding at her back Mm -hmm. at all times. Elsa is someone who, um, grew up with fear because of her magic and the fact that she couldn't talk to the person one of the most important people in her life about it because of fear and hurting um and the guilt of hurting her from before and then the fact of having guilt plague her again with connecting her magic to her parents um i think that was a question that elsa needed answering not just like fans needed answering so you think it was important to the story because it was important to elsa yes 
Okay. Because I, I am of the opinion that. Well, it's just because I, to me, but all of the both of the both of the movies seem to be told in a story of Elsa's perspective mm-hmm. throughout all of it. And the one time that I I personally see Elsa truly happy and and free, um, is that first time she has interaction with the fire spirit. That moment after mm-hmm. it like sets fire to everyone, and then she like finally cat like kind of says hey uh you're cute let's have a little conversation that moment uh between her and that fire spirit is one of those first moments that like i see her being completely herself completely in tune with where she's Mm -hmm. supposed to be and completely free yeah no it's it's an interesting point and something that I will come back with I I do agree that you see an inquisitiveness in Elsa that uh, when she sees the little salamander I can't remember his name but he's really cute I can't either when she sees him and starts interacting with him you do see her kind of loosen up and, Mm -hmm. and I think that that's really fun to see that side of her character but I also think the only reason that they now granted this is a totally different side of what you were talking about the Bring only on, reason why that salamander is there is because it worked with Pascal. Let's just put another lizard in. And I don't know if there was oh. that much thought behind that character. It's like, oh, well, it worked here. It worked with Cricky in Mulan. It worked with, you know, Pascal in Tangled. Let's Intrigue. just okay. put another lizard in there. Because I truly believe that as cute as some of these sidekick characters are in Disney movies, I mean... I think some of them are just there simply because they're going to sell plush toys. And I think this okay, salamander well, that's very is, a, true also. is a, like, like that's perfect an easy... example of that. And However, so, I... Yeah, I don't think he adds anything to the story. So, besides I'm going to actually... <laughs> from um, plush toys. I mean, also fair. Completely valid. But they can make anything a plush toy. Um, but yes, that one is definitely a cute one. However, I actually saw that. So, um, a lot of salamanders in especially Greek mythology, um, Norse mythology and like different fantasy, whatever, um, salamanders are actually very connected with fire because they usually live in, um, places that like, they usually live in the heat of like, I don't want to say like the heart of volcanoes, but like a lot of the times in, different sort of um uh even like fantastical worlds with like um you know fairies and whatever a lot of the times they're actually uh, salamanders are connected with fire that is something that is a that is so interesting yeah i storytelling so i always just saw it as they were like oh well here's an animal that isn't a dragon that's connected that isn't a phoenix um Mm -hmm. like the other thing that's connected with fire is a salamander and it's an incredibly random um animal i think i mean and like now you saying oh you know mushu um pascal like they're both lizards um i truly never made that connection between those three I just saw it as, oh, they use a salamander. That's ingenious because that's a common theme in a lot of mythology and yeah, a lot of I fantasy and a lot of stories. Yeah, it's um, it's like, I don't know. I don't remember what story or whatever this was, but like there were this 
um, like Iron Smith, the way that he kept his forge as hot and as going as long as it was was because he kept salamanders in there. Hmm. So like salamanders is, is a recurring theme within fire. So that's why it made sense okay. to me. So that's, that's interesting that's though because really yours. Interesting. I, I think for them. So for me, from the Disney like creative perspective, is it was a win-win because it's like, oh yeah, yeah we can tie it back to this mythology. Also, we're gonna make millions on toys. Correct. <laughs> they said, oh, a salamander, okay. and it's not usually that cute. So we're like, we're gonna make it cute, right? And we're gonna make it like do the little eye lick thing, which we'll I make do millions. think is actually really cute. <laughs> oh, it's incredibly cute. <laughs> It's incredibly cute. That but is, yeah. That is really interesting. I never thought to see those similarities. <laughs> and it's usually these, because you mentioned Mushu, and the one that I w- originally brought up was Cricky. It's always these yes. characters that don't really speak. They just make little noises, yes. like little squeaks here and yep. there, and Pascal mm-hmm. also doesn't speak. And mm-hmm. neither does this salamander character yeah. and then Cricky either. Um, but yeah, so just something that came to my mind. Um, okay, but- well then, if we are talking, here we go. If we are talking about animal sidekicks that they just decided to be a little lax on, um, yeah, I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna say it, Sven. Okay, I think that they could have done. I have mixed feelings about Sven, especially <gasps> no. in the first film. Okay, because I a yes, it was very ingenious creatively for them to say okay Kristoff is gonna talk for his reindeer that's funny like because people but, do that with their dogs all the time yes and i and so i think that's so, very endearing i think that is funny but i think that's also they took an easy out with that in the fact that and this is why i have an issue with maximus as well going into a different movie but like i have an issue when animals that really aren't dog-like take on dog mannerisms for example maximus entangled oh, sniffing yeah. the ground after flynn rider that bothers me to no end i don't no know why way. but it does oh i think it's it so bothers funny. me it has always bothered me since the first time i saw that i was huh. outraged and um i think that with sven they took an easy out with that one they said oh we're gonna give our leading man a sidekick gotta give him uh, you know, can't give him a horse because that's too mainstream. That's what every prince has. Every prince has a horse. Khans has a horse. Every single horse has to be the sidekick to our leading man. Mm-hmm. Flynn Rider has Maximus. Prince Philip has... Um... Samson. What? Samson. Yes, Samson. Thank you. And uh, my favorite, the one, one of the few Disney horses that I love is um, Achilles in hunchback achilles for heel. Like, achilles heel <laughs> we'll talk That's about that on another episode. yes absolutely um but i think that is something that they just kind of copped out on with sven they just said ah really here we go he's not a prince so we'll give him a reindeer and oh. i think it was i just yeah i think it was a cop out oh my god <laughs> see i could not disagree more i think sven is such a sweet endearing character and to me it made sense to make him a reindeer because you know we're in norway in ice and snow and so i think it was a really fun spin on the original like disney trope of the the prince character having the horse sidekick i thought it was really sweet yeah. i didn't see it as a cop out i saw it as Frozen's interpretation of the Disney, like, Prince formula, but totally making it okay. their own. 
And okay. uh, my favorite Disney horse is Samson from Loves uh, also Sleeping a Beauty. Horse. He is high class, <sighs> like he the is. highest class. Is. But Prince Philip is also my favorite Disney prince of the first <sighs> three, like Cinderella, Snow White, Correct. and Prince Philip. I mean, Sleeping Beauty. He's definitely my favorite. Well, because he's also one of the few with an actual personality. Right. And so, anyway, in a lot of ways, Sven reminds me of Samson. And just Mm -hmm. with his personality. And then the whole joke of Kristoff having the silly voice that talks as Sven for him. Uh I just, I think is so genius. And I think it's so sweet. And I know some people... Like, even the songwriters, they still to this day, they even said it in the Frozen 2 documentary, is that uh, in Frozen, Kristoff never got his own song, and we've always regretted that. But my thing is, I think Reindeers Are Better Than People is an excellent song. It's so sweet. It's really concise. It's not even a full song. But I think it's, I mean, yeah, I would have loved to have seen Kristoff have more than just that in Frozen, but I think... That song is a perfect little, it feels like a little folk song, like that would have been sung in the town of Arendelle or, you know, something like that. And I just think it's really endearing and really sweet. And I, it doesn't bother me that that's his only song in the movie. And see, I actually agree with that um, because I think that when the the songwriters were talking about Christoph didn't get a song, I think they meant that Jonathan Groff didn't get a song, you know? Yeah. Um, which if, to uh, your listeners who may not, you know, be aware, Jonathan Groff is the voice of Christoph and Jonathan Groff is one of the most um, glorious blessings beings. God has given humanity. He also <laughs> and so, um, plays King George in Hamilton. So yes, the mid was 2010s in, were like, yeah, what an incredible run for him. Prime. Like Frozen. Well, and previously and to that, he was um, he starred on Glee with Leah Michelle totally and Corey Cott, and before that, he was actually on Broadway with the opening cast of Spring Awakening. Um, Spring Awakening with Leah Michelle as well. And I know he's done other things over the course of the years, but um, in the words of Lin Manuel. Jonathan Groff is a national treasure. Amen. So I... <laughs> he is a talent for God. sure. He so is. So in that sense, and I, I see that why they what, regret that they didn't get And I think that's what they, they were talking about more than anything, is they were saying, gosh, like, we have this incredible talent that is Jonathan Groff. Why did we not give him a song? Well, it's because Kristoff isn't the kind of guy that's going to burst into um, a, a Disney song. I see him as more of the... Um, What's his face from Enchanted? Um, not, um, not the her prince, not her not, prince, but the Giselle, guy that she meets. You know, Giselle, the, oh my gosh, that you know, you know, he's the guy that's Patrick like Patrick Dempsey's wait, character. When yeah, Patrick Dempsey, the Patrick Dempsey character in Enchanted, the one that says, "When did you guys all learn this song?" Right. Wait, <laughs> what? How are we all singing? That is the character that I think Kristoff is in this movie because he's the guy that calls Anna out. He's like, you were going to marry a guy the day that you met him. And I think that I love that about him, too, that he totally calls out this Disney formula. And he's like, that's baloney. Yes. And I think You married a guy you just met? (laughs) And I think that's why he doesn't, he didn't need us. He didn't need more than Rangers are better than people. That is him just, you know, at the end of the day, you know, strumming his ukulele or whatever it was. 
a gourd. Mandolin <laughs> guitar. We'll never know, guys. Yeah, you know, the fjord gourd. The fjord gourd. I can't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, just, like, strumming it at the end of his day, having a conversation with his reindeer. Like, that's all he needed. Yeah. And I am of mixed i am one of the very few that has mixed opinions about his song in that Frozen is literally two. what i was about um, to bring up because yeah, i was because gonna say i feel like the type of we character gotta go into that he it. is lost in the woods feels so uncharacteristic of him to me and i think it it's does. literally the, the is, song was written for the joke of it and that bugs I, the yes. heck out of me because okay, with jonathan groff as such an ah, incredible vocalist why give him that because he did every single one of those vocals. He vocalized yeah. every single part in that song. Which they kind of delve into in the documentary, which is really cool. Yes. And again, National Phenomenal. Treasure, Jonathan Groff, you know, going off and being <laughs> Jonathan Groff. But that's the thing. <laughs> I just, oh man, that that song, re- I'm sorry if Lost in the, anyone listening, I'm sorry if Lost in the Woods is your favorite song. Because I just, I don't, okay. I don't enjoy it. Well, so not to judge any of your listeners because everyone is entitled to their opinion yeah sorry we're starting to get a little heated we're just passionate about jonathan groff you know we're we're passionate (laughs) but if lost in the woods is your favorite song out of frozen 2 okay (laughs) there's some judgment you can have your opinions but i have some judgment um as as to the song itself i actually I do find the joke funny. I I find it funny too. It's not appropriate for his. I th- it's not appropriate okay, for the, the moment, I, and it's not appropriate for his character. It's it's not, but also it is because here is where I have this, and I actually personally have like, I'm I'm kind of dueling with myself on this one. I think I feel too. You. Like there's a part of me that agrees with you, but then there's a part of me that's like. But I feel like if Kristoff, you know, he's out there, he just wanted to propose to his girl. He had the help of his other friend and a bunch of reindeer, and he was gonna, you know, my sweet ginger fiery love. You know, he had the whole thing ready. And it was someone else. And the thing is, is I think that within the the way that they took the movie, especially the language that they introduced in that movie they could have a more modern take on a song. Therefore, making the boy band, like, sound, like, the it's truly just an in-sync sound, honestly. It's very, like, 80s I, ballad. Yeah, an 80s power ballad. I, of, like, if Kristoff came out of that movie and, like, landed in a time zone, it would be the 80s. For sure. I just feel like that's where he would thrive. Because he could sing on his fjord gourd and have, and talk for Sven and no one would question it because it'd be the 80s. And so, like, I find it very funny. Yes, I, I do too. But I do find it... I do think that it... It was unnecessary. Like, 100%. I think that if they were gonna give Kristoff a song, they should have given him a song that actually, like, is in the sound of the movie. Because the yeah. the Frozen films have such a very... Every Disney film. Every Disney film has a very specific sound to it. And that is obviously on purpose. But to they very totally talented just like... Lyricists correct. and composers. And yes. 
Um, but they totally just said, nah, we're just going to slap in an 80s power ballad for Kristoff. It adds nothing to the and story. Then, and continue on. And the thing is, is I actually like the the lyrics. The lyrics fit yeah, the moment. That, that's the thing. It's, it just, it's, it's the 80s power ballad that I was like... <sighs> it just makes me feel like I can't take the character of Kristoff seriously. Like, they wanted to give him yes. that emotional moment. I, and I think yeah. the reason that they wanted to go with something funny is because not too much later, it's going into Anna's big ballad moment. Yeah. Which oh, is, oh my gosh. this is the one where Next right I thing. am at war because I equally love it and I'm like, why? All at the same time. To the next right thing? Yes. Because I, your list, okay, I think to your listeners, my jaw just dropped. Yeah, it did. We're, <laughs> we're FaceTiming each other. Her jaw just dropped pretty much to the floor. Um. You, I'm prepared. Bring your reasons. So okay. Here we go. The gloves when just I first went heard on. Song, I thought it was like brilliant and amazing and all of these things. And um, I'm going to tell a story here. So shout out to one of my other friends who was also a bridesmaid in my wedding, Dominique. She told me this story <laughs> of, I don't know if I've told you this story, Lindsay, but she oh, and her boy. husband went to go see Frozen 2 on opening weekend. And they went on like a Saturday afternoon. So there were just millions of children everywhere. Because it was oh, a no. Saturday matinee. And so they were okay. in the movie theater. And they're watching. They're in the middle of the, re- the next right thing. And Anna sings this line. And it's beautifully written. And it says, hello, darkness. I'm ready to succumb. Which is like very poetic. Very much so in the feels. So this line yes. happens. And then this little girl. You just hear her in the audience in the middle of, th- of this very serious moment. Just turn to her mom or whoever was close to her. And just say... <laughs> and it's such a cute story, but she, in the middle of the movie theater, said, what does succumb mean? And I thought it was funny, but also, like, so telling of, like, why are they choosing to write lyrics for a family film that are going over kids' heads? The kids should be your target audience. And I feel like for Frozen 2, the, the audience was just... It, it just wasn't, it was slightly off. Like it was, I feel like Frozen 2, the audience aim was the ones who were little kids when Frozen came out. And for yes. me, being so passionate about kids and about family, um, I've always seen Disney movies as kids as their top priority when it comes to their audience. Now, different arguments can be made for films like Hunchback of Notre Dame, we're not discussing that today because that's too much to get into now because that there are so many concepts in there that okay. I'm like, how is this a children's film? Because I, yes. but it's one of the most yeah, brilliant yeah, films yeah. I've ever seen in my life. So anyway, yes. that's where I struggle with the next right thing is I know that grief is a very real thing. I know that feeling the numbness of depression is a very real thing, but I feel like by having a scene like that in a movie that is supposed to be geared towards kids, I have an issue with pushing that kind of story on such little hearts and little minds. And I think that's me coming from the perspective. I, I don't think I've mentioned this on the show before, but I grew up serving in children's ministry. And so, like, my heart for children and the next generation or the now generation is 
off the charts and I love them so much. And so when I think about songs like The Next Right Thing, as brilliant and as beautiful as it is, as a 26 year old, yeah, it makes sense for me to hear a song like that. But for a small child, which apparent, which is technically the target audience for a film like Frozen or Frozen 2, that's where my struggle is. So do I personally like the song? Yes. But I just feel like they miss the mark with their audience. And that's why I struggle with this song specifically. So to, I don't want to say to counter that, but like for my opinion on those, which are, are very good points because yes, it is for children and it is for, um, the, the, the young hearts and it's not just sequels to, um, you know, the kids that were young when they saw Frozen and now are getting a sequel. It's not for them. It's for, it's the whole entire family. However, especially within that, that specific story of the child asking mom what a word means. Um, I think about now, like when I was little watching some of, some of those Disney films, like, can we talk about Snow White? Like I should not, as a child, like as a four or five year old, I don't feel like I should have actually watched that movie. Like those are some pretty dark scary things and it's not even addressing like topics it's just kind of scary and to this day I really don't like that movie because I don't know if it just maybe traumatized me to the point of like I do not want to watch it because I am so scared of it Mm -hmm. um or if it's just like a mm, not my favorite um but what I feel like is that throughout my my childhood of growing up with mm-hmm. Disney films is that a lot of the times it's not the words of the songs that truly struck me as as a child okay. it is the what the music is giving me mm-hmm. because I think that the music is such a huge part of all of these Disney films when the yeah. music is sad and dark like that I know what what the character is feeling and I'm watching this character experience sad. Mm -hmm. So like even though the words themselves are things that maybe I don't fully understand, I just – because I I can very specifically remember – well, not specifically because obviously I'm not sure which song, but there are definitely some movies. Like Hunchback of Notre Dame especially Mm -hmm. is a great one. Um, Even – even Lion King on a few points, mm-hmm. there were things that I really didn't understand what the characters meant when they said something, but I said, oh, the music is light, so I understood it was like supposed to be a light moment, or the music was mm-hmm. a little darker, and it was a villain, so I understood it was a darker moment. That and, is really interesting to, to point out. And it was like I watched the character respond to the music, and that's mm-hmm. how I understood... Um where the story was going, what I was supposed to be feeling. And I think that it is actually important for maybe not like incredibly young children, but like for children to see possibly their favorite character um, or a character that they love experience something um, very hard and very sad and see them process 
those emotions. And the thing is, as a young child and as, you know, you don't really understand all of what's happening, but you see your favorite, possibly princess, hero, whatever, experiencing those, experiencing that emotion, feeling that music and understanding that there is something very sad, you know, but then seeing them push through and persevere and see that it's not going to break them. I think that is a very important life skill to, and that you're not at an age too young to ever see that. Um, because I don't think that as a child, you fully, uh, you fully understand what's happening. Like that is such a, that is like the concept that I honestly didn't even under (laughs) the first time I watched frozen two, it took me a minute to really understand that Elsa like died. (laughs) Yeah. That's Um, something that was frustrating to me. That was that it wasn't clear that she was gone. And so, and and that's part of my issue with a lot of parts of frozen two is that it's not made abundantly clear what's happening. Mm hmm. And so you're not fully grasping the story. So that's why part of me was confused during the next right thing was because why is she so upset? But I think that Elsa's like the queen of ice. She's frozen. She's going to be fine. Yes. I feel like there wasn't enough, enough depth to that moment. There was too much depth in the next right thing and not enough depth with Elsa turning to ice. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I think that it had to be one of those things that they couldn't outright show her death because like it is a children's movie you know and you can't have queen elsa just like flatline <laughs> um but like anna did in the first movie and it was abundantly clear what happened but okay okay so this is something I've never actually thought about or seen before, but it's actually very sim. They're both similar because in this movie, Anna freezes. You see that breath go out. Elsa sees her immediately. knows she's done. She's crying. She's sobbing because she lost a sister. Right. They do that same thing in the second movie. We see Elsa freeze. We see that breath go out. So they're following Mm -hmm. the same pattern. So we, as, I don't know, maybe calling us both out, but like we as moviegoers and we as um, fans who understand the concept, mm-hmm. I feel like they were going for that fact that, oh, if we do this the same way, they'll understand that, yes, this is uh, symbolizing her spirit leaving her death. And the fact that Olaf, I think for me, it was the fact that Olaf started to melt. That's when I understood that Elsa was not okay because she was no longer around to keep Olaf frozen. Mm-hmm. Um, that is what, that's when I knew, like, that's when it made it abundantly clear for me because Elsa's power and life was tied to Olaf, um, mm-hmm. because of her magic. And then, yeah. so seeing Elsa freeze, seeing that breath leave, and then seeing Anna cry over a sister. Mm-hmm. I think it's that same sort of, um, it's that same story telling. However, they didn't want to, you know, just copy and paste it. They said, okay, we got to make it within this yeah. moment for I, Anna to then experience losing her sister. Like it's, it's that wild, crazy moment of, okay, we see Elsa lose Anna. Now what happens when Anna loses Elsa? Hmm. I hadn't thought about it like that before. I and I either. think, <laughs> right. In an attempt to make those very similar moments different. Yeah. I think you lost some of the impact 
Whereas in the first Frozen, when Anna freezes and it's like dead silent and you just silence. hear the and the breath yes. leave her and then you just hear Elsa weeping. Yes. It's like so powerful. But then in Frozen 2, because they were trying to make it different and then there's like this music score behind her and then you just, you know, the the ice power leaves her hand and then the breath and it, it just like they don't let that moment breathe. And so yeah. I, I, I'm not asking for a copy and paste. Um, but I think in trying to be different, I think they just slightly missed the mark. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. I agree, I would agree with that. In, I see what they were trying to do, though. In, like, they should have been... They, I do agree that it was a little bit unclear for me in, in that mm-hmm. moment. Um, but I think that also... Like, now seeing it, like, now talking about it, like, from the first movie to the second movie, I'm like, oh, duh. Like... Um, but like it shouldn't have to be like you discuss something from the first to the second to to get it. You need to be able to get it within the yeah. moment you are and, watching and, the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do agree with you with that. But like it was confusing, yeah. um, and it could have been done better. But I I do see where they were trying and like heading and stuff like that. No, and I think what they were trying to do was like a good idea. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think the execution of it wasn't quite there. And even in the documentary series about Frozen 2, they, not like, in less than a year before release, they still didn't crack the story. And in my opinion, they never did. They just came up with, oh, this will work. So the voice is her. The voice is her mother. And and for me, it's just never clear. And for me, excuse me, show yourself... So we stepped a little bit forward talking about next right thing. Let's take a step back. To show yourself, yeah. Um, show yourself is my least favorite song in Frozen Two. <sighs> I knew this was. Coming. I know. I'm gonna get some. Here we go. Some right. interesting feedback on this one. All right. Um, it just, it just feels like a pop ballad mm-hmm. to me, and. Um, the only part of the song that I like is when they go into the reprise of the lullaby of all is found. That's the only part that I'm like, okay, this is cool. Yes. But then that wasn't even the song. That was another song that they had put into that song. And so I just feel like show yourself like for some people it's their favorite moment. It's their favorite song in the whole movie. Mm -hmm. For me, I just, I kept thinking, is this over yet? Is this over yet? Has she discovered who she is? I thought she discovered who she was in the first movie. And for me, because listening to some different opinions and stuff, and yes, referring back to Disorder, uh, that podcast I was telling you guys about, um, something that they talk about in their Frozen 2 episode is she already discovered who she was and she embraced herself in Frozen. It was like she had to do it all over again in Frozen 2, but there was no reason for her to because she was accepted, she was loved, by everyone and by herself so it's like then all of a sudden this voice comes out of nowhere and just starts calling her and then she starts questioning who she is all over again but did she really accept herself because if you have fully accepted yourself nothing is going to make you question yourself like life i think is always about um questioning where you're at and seeing if that's where you're meant to be like that is where life Mm -hmm. that is what life is and I fully think that she was in the at the end of the first movie I see and this is kind of what I don't like about the first movie is that 
honestly, yeah, no, this is what I don't like the first about the first movie is I feel like Elsa has no character arc. She just is a flat line the entire movie. Hmm. The whole movie, all she is 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 she's the prim, proper princess that is going to be a queen. That is what she is the whole time. And yes, we see that she loves her sister, but that's also apparent from the beginning when they're playing as children. That is apparent the whole time. She has absolutely no arc, no movement to her character line. It is flat the entire movie for me. And because, yes, she finally lets her ice power show and that's a moment that is a bit of a a spike but it's a very small one in my opinion because it's like oh I'm free oh shoot I just created an ice storm for everyone and now I feel guilty and now I'm scared again and now I'm back to this flat line of guilt and fear and questioning everything yes I still love my sister but I want her far away again just like I did from the very beginning of this film and even in the end when she's like even when she's captured she is still guilty. She still doesn't want to hurt Anna because she loves her sister. She eventually leaves and she's like, I gotta go because it's dangerous with me here. And then Han says, nah, you killed your sister. It is that moment of silence, but again, shows that she loves her sister. She just is a flat line, the entire movie, for her character, for me. And mm. in the end, you know, you have the true love, blah, 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 Anna unfreezes. At the end, she understands it took all of that experiencing around her for her to see, oh, I need to stop. I just need to stop fearing myself. Mm-hmm. And we're all good. So it just, she doesn't experience anything. All of these experiences happen around her. And she does not change. She just finally sees, oh, okay, love. Don't fear it. And it, that bothers me. So like, that's why I really don't like that first movie is because I see absolutely no arc for Elsa. And Mm -hmm. sorry, I, there's a point to this that corresponds back to where we started. But, um, when the movie ends, she is accepting of, you know, she's loved. She feels accepted by her people, by her sister, because she doesn't fear that she's going to hurt them. And that is the slight change that she does get. But I still don't think that she fully accepts herself or that she is fully happy or fully um, fulfilled. She's not completely fulfilled in what she's doing because I think that as queen, she still doesn't feel free. And I think that's something that she that she does tell us from even from the moment we hear let it go or not even from the moment we hear, we hear let it go from the moment that we hear for the first time in forever honestly that first moment that we see Elsa you can tell all she wants is freedom she doesn't want what she has been essentially this path that she's been placed on since she's been born she doesn't really want it but like she's doing it because she needs to and because you know she wants to make her parents proud she loves her and not to say that she doesn't love you know her kingdom and all that jazz because I think that she does but the movie ends with Elsa still being Elsa and that is why I finally liked frozen 2 and why i think that it is a better movie for me because elsa actually starts doing something and experiencing a life for herself she does question who she is because before she just questioned where she was at she questioned her place she didn't question who she was and so she because i think that if you are fully 
you like accept yourself and are completely fulfilled in your life, things are going to happen and come up and it'll make you kind of reevaluate, but it won't make you fully question who you are all over again. Like she fully questioned herself all the way over again. It was like, wait, I'm not queen. I need to be with nature. Like that's a full reinvention again. Whereas like before it was just like princess, a little bit of freedom, queen. Flat line. Hmm. Second movie, we have her come out and she says, mm, I still don't think I'm where I belong. I still don't think that this is where I'm supposed to be. This is like my place. And that's why she finally does go out with a purpose. She goes out with a reason. Um, and she has arcs and she has experiences. And that is why hmm. Show Yourself, which is where this started with. Bring it back. Here it is. I try. You know, I try. But that is why I think Show Yourself is one of the most beautiful songs in that movie because it is, to me, that, I don't want to say full circle, but it's the, it's the epitome of Elsa finally, finally accepting herself. Mm-hmm. Because in the first movie, I think she is just looking for love and running from fear. And then in the second film, she learns a lot of truth that help her see who she is, accept who she is, and truly not fear her magic. Because, like, even though she doesn't fear her magic in the first one, I still feel like there are res- like she has reservations about it. She's still unsure why she mm-hmm. has it. And in the second film, we finally get this moment of Elsa actually being free. She lets her hair down. Like, that's a huge deal for Elsa because mm-hmm. obviously in the first film with Let It Go, sure. she lets it out. But it's still it's still there. Like, it's still together. But we finally see when she gets to mm-hmm. Atahala and she is in the middle of Show Yourself, which, like, I love the second verse of Show Yourself because it's um, Show Yourself. I'm no longer trembling. Here I am. I've come so far. And it's that mm-hmm. that moment that I think is so beautiful for her to experience that she is, this is the Elsa we've all been waiting to see for two movies. Like it's taken two movies mm-hmm. to get to this Elsa. And this is the true Elsa that I think all of the fans knew she would be eventually. Like, you know, all the kids that were like, pew, pew, magic. Like this is the one that they're like, yes, this is the queen. She has finally arrived because she she's, she accepts who she is and she's not running anymore. Mm-hmm. That's what I got. <laughs> That's what... These are all very interesting thoughts and very well put. Oh, thanks. And and that's that's part of the point of this conversation is not for either of us to be like right. Yeah. Oh yeah, no. Necessarily. These are opinions. And but that's why that's one of the reasons I wanted to do this episode is to talk about those differences of opinion. Um, but I definitely see like where you're coming from. And yeah, there is more depth to Elsa's character in the second movie, but I wouldn't say that she's a shallow character in the, in the first frozen. And I know you didn't use those yeah. words specifically, but I, I don't see her as a flatline character. Okay. And honestly, when you think about, and this isn't me making an excuse no. for her, but when you think about Disney princesses that are known and loved, I mean, they don't always have the deepest stories. 
You mean what? But why do we love them? <laughs> because these films and these stories convince us that they're the ones to be loved. And I think that's part of the beauty of of Disney fairy tales yeah. is that they they present these fantastical stories to us and you hear a moment like let it go and at that moment it's like you're kind of confused it's like are you the villain or are you the hero in mm-hmm. this story okay. and um that's uh even something when they were first thinking of frozen was that elsa was going to be a villain yeah mm-hmm. that she was going to be the villain yeah. of the story and then they wrote let it go yeah and then they said we have she to rethink this <laughs> yeah she can't be the villain. And so I think that honestly creates a really interesting challenge for the filmmakers. But I, I don't see her as a flatline character. I see her as someone who experiences real emotions and has experienced real rejection um, from sadly her own hand. Mm-hmm. And like having to deal mm-hmm. with that, that, that seems like some deep character stuff even though it's only through like do you want to build a snowman but I kid you not that moment at the very end of do you want to build a snowman when Anna is like trembling and singing and then the camera pans from Anna to Elsa's face at the other side of the door I cry every time and you see you know just like the the depths of of their despair and so it, for me, Do You Want to Build a Snowman was done just in really simple ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like you said earlier about um, in movies, even if you didn't fully understand the lyrics, the music told you what to yes. feel in that moment. And I feel a song like Do You Want to Build a Snowman did that very Absolutely, well. Yes. Um, and so I know that's a little bit off tangent from what we're talking about, but I see Elsa as someone who is discovering herself, the good, the bad, and the ugly of herself in the first frozen Mm -hmm. and then um in the second frozen yeah she's definitely discovering more of who she is and even hearing some of your opinions makes me think like yeah like i can see why they wanted to do it in that Mm -hmm. way um for me it just concerns me that it it i just feel like they never really crack the story i feel like you have to read in between the lines in order to see um, exactly what Elsa's going through. And they even talked about in Show Yourself that they wanted this dress transformation to be like the let it go moment. And to me, it's not. Yeah. No, I... Like when the dress changed, I was like... (laughs) Okay, okay. again. (laughs) But in Let It Go, like when it happens and the blue starts to transform, like that blue, that icy blue color from her like coronation dress it's like a stunning moment and i think they were trying to make that moment happen again Mm -hmm. but they were trying to not be let it go but they're like this has to be the let it go moment and for me it just doesn't all come together and i don't know if i can fully articulate why Um, that's fair no i think what i think what i'm learning through this conversation is for me i love just a clean simple story and that's what Frozen is for mm-hmm. me. And Frozen 2 just isn't that. And I think that's one of the main reasons why I prefer the first one. Um, yeah, which is funny. But I see... Go for it. I see, like, pros and cons <laughs> to to yes. both. And, that again, that's part of the reason we're having this conversation. Yeah, no, absolutely. Because I... So I, I am realizing through this that for me in the Disney films and especially between 
the first Frozen and the second film, it's the music that's making the movie for me. Because hmm. for me, the second film, the music is superior by far, 100% superior. And it all starts that's because so of Some Things Never Change. I love that beautiful ensemble moment that it has where they all get together and they all have this big like Thanksgiving-esque like dinner and you uh-huh. just hear this ensemble come in that ah whatever did not hit any of those notes yeah. but thank you for understanding um i know exactly <laughs> i didn't warm up about. it's okay um <laughs> that moment that gives me chills every time every time i hear it whether it's the soundtrack or in the film i get chills because i'm like okay the state the stage is set the curtains are up this is you're like ushering me in and I think that's why I loved the second film so much more because the first one was just very much, it was good music and I loved it, but it was very just kind of Disney boppy. Um, whereas the second one was very different from most Disney films. Like sound wise, mm-hmm. it was very different and very in, in, I don't know where I'm going with that one, but very creative in the sound that they chose with that movie. Yeah. And also I wanted to tap back to, um, why do we love the Disney characters even though they're not sometimes they're not very in depth like you know Princess Aurora for example with what like a, seven lines in the whole film or something like that um, yeah see I think that the reason that a lot of people I'm gonna okay I'm gonna say that the the kids loved Elsa was because of her powers like her magic and they said yep she has magic she's mm-hmm. my favorite you know because that's when you're a kid that's kind of where you, that's how simple it is for you but i think that as sure. an audience people loved elsa because of anna i don't think it was elsa herself i think it's because of anna that people find elsa their favorite or why they love her it's not elsa mm-hmm. it's anna and yeah i think that for me, I have to kind of, and this is something like when I, when you asked if I would do this with you, I had to say, okay, I have to remember this movie before I listened and read into the musical. Because I think that the Broadway musical gives Elsa so much more depth and so much beautiful It's um, true. It definitely Character does. choices and things. But that is separate from the first, the movie that, you know, we are talking about. And so I, I think that while I can see that she does have character choices and she experiences things, she still seems, like, rather flat in comparison. Um, because mm-hmm. I think that without the musical, I would probably still feel the same way about Elsa. But, like, I do see where you are in in that. But I think for me, it's because I, I know the musical that gives her more depth. Mm-hmm. I think that if it's just the movie... The love that we feel for her is what we see from Anna. Yeah. But that's just my opinion. Because it's, it's, yeah. Which that's I'm the, like, again, that's the whole point of this. And yeah, no, I mean, you're definitely making me think. And that's what I like. <laughs> it's equally frustrating and like awesome. Yeah, I know. And so to totally change subjects Ready. because we have to at least talk about it for a second is yes a i knew you were going uh, there i think I, just in general like putting your sidekick character in your movie about the snow queen like having that be a snowman is so brilliant 
And I'm so glad that they did it. Yes, I do agree. For sure. And I prefer Olaf's character in Frozen versus Frozen 2 because he's so innocent. Because he hasn't grown up yet. Okay. And just, like, his total ignorance of, like, his dream being a snowman who lives in summer. I think it's the funniest thing. And, I mean, we'll never... I mean, I granted, I hope that the audience agrees with me on this, <laughs> that the, the line in In Summer about winter's a good time yes. to stay home and cuddle, but put me in summer and I'll be a... And it cuts. And then he just is looking yes. at a puddle. And then he just hops a over and says, snowman. happy snowman. And everyone in the audience like, said, what? I think that is such brilliant Correct. writing, you yes. know. And because, again, it played with that Disney formula of like, oh, yeah, like you're kind of going to know what lyric comes next because it's going to rhyme with this. And then we're going to show you what the lyric is going to be. But then they totally Psych. played with you. And I think that that is so, so fun. And Absolutely, um, yes. Fully agree. For me, how you're like, Olaf's character in Frozen is annoying. I think his character is a little more annoying in the second film because they're trying to like make Olaf grow up. But what I loved about him is that he didn't Mm -hmm. grow up. And so for me, it kind of took part of Olaf away. However, I will say one thing that I think is hilarious that Olaf does in the second movie is the recap of the first movie. I think that's so funny. Honestly, that... that Quite frankly, that could be the reason I love the second one more than the first one is that moment right there. And I have been saying this. No, I think it's one of the best moments of the last year is that they need to do shorts of Olaf just retelling every single Disney classic movie like that. Just a little short of Olaf saying, so this is, you know, whatever it is. Um, Pocahontas, because that is one of the most brilliant moments in theater in movie writing that I have ever seen. So good. Hey, editing Andy here. So funny story. We actually recorded this episode months ago, way before Disney Plus even announced that there was going to be this series of shorts called Olaf Presents, where Olaf literally tells all the Disney fairy tales and acts them out like he did in Frozen 2. So like literally what Lindsay just said, happened. So all of that to say, Lindsay is super prophetic and awesome. Okay, back to the episode. Yeah. And I I think that that is a brilliant moment. Um, and like where Olaf it starts experiencing uh, like anger and he's like, there's something rising up mm-hmm. within me. And then I realize that it's this and he starts mm-hmm. going into that. And I understand that that's a, a real mm-hmm. process, excuse me, that adults and children alike mm-hmm. go through. Um, I just don't think it was necessary for Olaf because for me, what was so endearing about him was that he was like an innocent little Mm -hmm. child and, um, oh goodness, a line that never ceases to make me just totally lose it is in Frozen where he's just like, I don't have a skull or bones. Like, I just think it's the funniest thing. Cause, cause a little kid would say something, obviously a kid wouldn't say, I don't <laughs> I mean, have a might. skull, but like they would exclaim something that's just like, duh, of course. And just the way that he said it. And I think he's just like so lovable. Not that he's not lovable in frozen two. I just think the qualities that I love most about him, I think they just grew him up too quickly, okay. but I also wanted to date Peter Pan and never get married when I was I a mean, little girl listen, me too. and just like, wanted to move to Neverland and be with him for forever. So I've never been the type that's ever wanted to grow up. And so I always loved characters who maintained that Uh innocence. 
and yeah, that youth. And so I feel like part of that is taken mm-hmm. away from Olaf in the second movie. And that's why I just prefer his character in Frozen versus Frozen 2. Okay. And his song in Frozen 2. Um, I love that song. It's fine. Oh my gosh. I think it's funny. I... But I think In Summer is hands down the stronger song. See, and I think this might be me as seeing it or hearing it as an adult and not hearing it as like a Disney film. But like, that's I, true. As an adult listening to that song, I it's hilarious. I identify with that song in so many levels and especially that time the time that that movie came out like we were just starting to go into what turned out to be a pandemic world and so there was a lot of different yeah it was like five months yeah it was yeah because it came out in december no did it come out in january it came out i think thanksgiving 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 of 2019 of 2019 and because i didn't see it till december that's why i was like what um uh, yeah so I did not see it till December but we were like 3 months away from the country just shutting down and mm-hmm. when all of that started happening I listened to that song like so often and honestly especially with my job as well I identify with that song sure. that like this all makes sense when oh, I'm yeah, older absolutely it's going to be fine yeah <laughs> uh, and I just think that yeah. it was, to me, that is the funnier song because that's the one I identify with. And that's me being just sure selfish as a viewer. It's me enjoying entertainment and saying that, right. yep, this is the one for me. I like that one. And sure. see, I actually, I find it intriguing that you don't like Olaf as much in the second because he grew up too fast whereas I think that he it's incredibly appropriate that he is starting to feel new emotions because I firmly believe that Olaf is connected to Elsa's like spirit and Elsa is mm-hmm. experiencing new emotions in this film um whether they are like self-acceptance or she's experiencing new emotions and they're not just as simple as like happy angry sad it's a core memory day um (laughs) (laughs) um it's obviously like more adult emotions but i think it's appropriate then that olaf starts feeling these emotions that are um not just positive happy go lucky they're ones that's like i'm being Mm -hmm. like i was kicked out i was told to leave someone that i love that's not okay with me because Elsa is learning to feel new things. And I think that he's connected to that. And that's why he is. That's an um, interesting point. I think that's sure. also why in the second one, um, they address that, like he's, you know, learned to read and stuff. And I think that also is going to mature someone faster because reading is, you know, as Bell has taught us is knowledge and that's how you learn things. And, um, I love, I love so much that Olaf loves fun facts. I think that's one of the funniest things ever. I feel like that fits with his character so well. Like, that's, to me, that's Mm -hmm. what, like... Yeah, no, I... You know, like, a 10 or 11-year-old would be like, did you know? Like, and I find that to be so Yeah, because I was that 10 or (laughs) 11-year-old. Turtles can breathe through their butts. (laughs) And, like, just, like, some of his comments, like... 
I don't know about that, but I will look it up later. Like, just some of them are so... They're the ones that I actually find very funny. Whereas in the first mm-hmm. movie, for me, he just seemed very dumb. It, I didn't ever take it as, like, huh. um, youthful or naive. I was just like, that's dumb. And so I was Aww. annoyed by it. And maybe I've just not had great okay. experience with kids. But we won't go into that. Um like the skull and bones thing yes that's very funny and it's very cute and I think it's hilarious but there are some moments that he does where he's like I just he it's just he rubs me the wrong way I think because it's a little too dumb comedy for me and I've never liked that kind of comedy that was like in my opinion like on the they're just being kind of dumb um because that's just not my cup of tea. But, yeah. So, mm-hmm. I... Yeah, and see, where where you see him as dumb, I see mm-hmm. him as naive. And I think that that's mm-hmm. what's so endearing about him. But that's circling back to what I had already said. Yeah, but, like, that's why... So I don't need to go into that's it. That's why I find it interesting that, like, you know, that's why you like him more that way. And, like, the way that you see a character as being naive, I'm like, nah. He just is clueless. Um, and so I don't find it funny, which I think is just, that's just, okay. you know, agree to disagree. I do love in summer yeah. though is very good. It's a phenomenal song, um, beautifully written. Um, and honestly yeah. the moment between Anna and Elsa, uh, Anna and Elsa, but the moment between Anna and Olaf in the end, when he is by the fire and he says, some people are worth melting for. One of the most beautiful moments in a Disney film. I Ugh. love that moment. And the thing is, is I really Seriously. do like the character, like the in, like the integral part of who Olaf is. I do love that, mm-hmm. but I like his, I like his funny joke. Like I like his when he's supposed to be the comedic, the light side. I like that better mm-hmm. in the second one than in the first one. Mm-hmm. And I think they leaned on Olaf for that a lot in frozen Mm two because they decided to go darker and heavier with the story. Yes. And for me, that just gets annoying because for me, Olaf just turns into a puppet for laughs where Olaf is so much more than that. And Mm -hmm. for me, it just, there are moments that of course are so funny. Like, did you know that turtles breathe through their butts (laughs) or whatever it is? Like it will always make me laugh. Yeah. Um, but I think he's worth more than just, like the laugh That's and I know fair. that he's not the laugh through the whole story but I feel like they rely on him a little too much for that um in the second movie but see I think that they also they again give him that beautiful moment with Anna like when she they do you know especially it, and I think it's I do see where you're coming from especially in the first half of the film he is very much that mm-hmm. comedic relief however I also think that um when he when Elsa, um, you know, pushes Anna and Olaf away again. And, you know, we see Anna experiencing real frustration and anger with a sister. And we hear Olaf mm-hmm. experiencing that. And then Olaf being not just the comedic relief, but that positive person in Anna's life. That real friend that it sticks around for her and encourages her when she can't see um, the light and I mm-hmm. think that 
throughout that whole film they needed Olaf to be able to have that maturity in him to be able to be there for Anna in a moment she needed him and I think that that was he wouldn't have been able to hold up with her in that moment especially if he had kept that if they had not if they wouldn't have um had him mature if they would have kept him at that um naivety is that a word naivete i think is how naivete if he had kept if they had kept him at that naivete um from the first film when he said oh some people are worth melting for if they had kept that for her then in the moment where anna is reeling from losing a sister i don't think she would have held up as well i don't think he would have been able to hold a candle to that and so he Mm -hmm. needed that emotional maturity and that growth to be the friend that she needed which i sorry you know that's it that's all i got i agree that she needed a strong character to be able to lean on as she was going through that process with losing elsa however what really one thing that really bugs me about frozen 2 is that they don't let that character be kristoff like, I know they're trying to yes. play with the whole, like, me- like women don't need men, like, they can do it on their own kind of thing. But it's like, no, there's, like, now being a married woman, I understand why I need Nathan, because yes. he is a rock for me. So yes. it's like, why did they, why did they give Kristoff's role to, to Olaf. Olaf? And so, like, and, and for me, like, Anna be- being, like, whenever Kristoff is saying things like, look you know if we die here or whatever and she just it's like she snaps out of who she is and she's like wait what are you talking about why would we die and da 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 and all these things i can't remember the exact dialogue but there are a couple moments when Kristoff's trying to propose and anna just like turns and i'm like you're not an airhead like why why did they do that and and for me i just feel like because Olaf and Elsa are the characters that are most remembered from these movies. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, so make Olaf Anna's rock in this in this part of like grieving. But it's like, no, the whole time that should have been Kristoff. Because Correct. to expand on wh- what Disney is known for of the prince and the princess falling in love, I don't Correct. think there's anything wrong with that happening no. in this film. And they don't let that happen in this yes, film. That, it's literally yes. just up and down and back and forth. And Anna's doing this and she's too focused on Elsa. And then, then she's turning to Olaf. And, and then Kristoff has his moment of lost in the woods, which, again... I don't love the song. I love that he's able to express his emotions, though. Yes. Um, and so I just so wish, because what I love about Kristoff's character is when he's finally, when he finally sees Anna again, yes. and he says, I'm here, what do you need? Most, mm, I think I've actually applauded in the theater when I heard that. And I just wish that the, the writers of this story would have let him be that when she was at her darkest, right before the next right thing. Correct. And it just, I just I don't see the value in in the two of them being separated and, I, and except to just create drama, which I think is dumb. So I fully agree with you with that. Um, I was incredibly upset for most of the film um, with like, the relationship. Just let these guys be together. See, yes, correct. I was so upset that we didn't get to see Anna and Kristoff's relationship happen. Like you established it in the first film. I understand. Yeah, there this was more a, character development in their the love first, in Frozen than correct. there was in the whole movie of Frozen Two. Correct, correct. 
Sorry, I, I'm I, getting heated now. No, and I'm heated about it too. So like, I get it for sure. And the whole time I kept being like, why is Kristoff not there? Why does he? And the fact that she just up and leaves him. Don't even get me started. The fact that she and just. And that's just not, that's <sighs> not Anna. No. That's not Anna. It's and not. And he wrote her this way. And I said. To just be like, I'm going to be on my own. And no. Da, da, da. And that's the thing. So it's like, yes, I, he understands. And the fact that, honestly, the fact that Kristoff stuck it out throughout all of that and still proposed. Like, God bless him. You know, may, may I find one. But like, regardless. He definitely should have been there for Anna. However, I do know that if he would have been the one that got lost, like, if he would have been in the place of Olaf, like, if all three of them had been there, you know, in the cave, Mm -hmm. I don't think we would have gotten next right thing. I think we would have gotten a different song, and I think that the ending would have been entirely different because I think we would have had a beautiful moment between... Kristoff and Anna and I think that would have been the moment for Kristoff's song here I am rewriting Frozen 2 but we're fine um that would or have like been that a moment. beautiful duet for Anna yes. and Kristoff yes like why not do that and do then, a version of next right thing but, but yes with, duet with like Kristoff being the the voice of hope yes and that doesn't even have to be a moment of like proposal that's just a moment showing their relationship and how strong they are together Which we all know that they're fantastic together, but we wanted to see that. And that is an issue I have throughout that whole film. They do Kristoff dirty. I never thought about that in that depth. No. And, like, they do Kristoff dirty. That's... Yeah. Honestly, they do him dirty. And I am incredibly upset because the whole time they do not play Anna as who she is, which is... We have yet to get into Anna ever, so, like, whatever. Um, (laughs) He... I have so many feelings and words about the the choices they made with them but like i agree with you on that one for sure like they done him dirty because they're so sweet they're they're so innocent and like at the end of frozen when he gets all awkward when he's like i could kiss you well maybe you know like and then she yes. just says that he can and then they kiss and you just see this beautiful relationship begin and then you don't get to see any of it in Frozen 2 because the whole time it's just Kristoff trying to chase her down to try to propose. Yes. But you and never get to see any of their relationship grow. You Man, know what? that makes me so mad. It, you know what? And it should because, you know what? They even introduce how it's going to be from the very beginning because in Some Things Never Change, she goes in when he first, you know, some like that final moment where he's all dressed up and she's nice and he goes in to like hug her or kiss her and she slips out of his reach and he gets Sven instead. And I said, I remember very, very vividly seeing that in the theater and being like, wait, what? What is this? Mm. And I didn't think it was cute. I didn't think it was like a cute little, oh, woo-woo. No, it was not. I was like, what are you doing? Where are yeah. you running from him? And they make it seem this whole time that like, you know, her sister is way just... more important than him. And I do not like that way of like putting a, yes, a pyramid in the people that you love. Like the fact that yeah. they had family game night with all three of them loved that dynamic. That was a really beautiful dynamic. However, honestly, the rest of the film, seeing Anna and Kristoff together, like honestly, even the way they ended game nights, having, you know, Anna be a little bit sidetracked because she was worried about Elsa and Kristoff being like, um, uh, that was cute. That was a cute little moment. I liked it. But that should have been But it, it. got really old. 
Yeah, that should have been the because only one like it. Because that's all they did for the whole movie. Yeah, and I think that that's so silly. Like, And again, I think it's just because Frozen 2 is really Elsa's story. And it's Anna and Kristoff really, like, the whole time Anna's chasing Elsa and Kristoff is chasing Anna. Which, like, I yeah. mean, what else and is new from like, the first one? But still, like, whatever. You were going to say? It, yeah, I just, man, the more that I've talked about that, like, the more that it just, like, bugs me because there are so many things that they delve into in Frozen 2. Like, if you want to talk about real emotions, if you want to talk about grief, mm-hmm. if you want to talk about discovering yourself, then don't leave out that relational dynamic that... Correct. Like, true love and leading to marriage is a very real thing. Yes. And I do believe, I'm getting preaching now, that that is absolutely under attack in our world today. And so... Yeah. And that film just, in my opinion, doesn't help the cause. It just... It doesn't. It, it's it, way too feminist. It doesn't help educate or or show families mm-hmm. that, like, you know, love with a guy isn't always the answer. But sometimes you just need a friend. And maybe that person is going to be the person you're going to marry. And, like, of all of the people, of all of the characters and relationships that we have seen across the, you know, Disney film princess, uh, Disney princess films, what, um, seeing the friendship in Kristoff and Anna from the first one kind of turn into love was Mm -hmm. absolutely beautiful because we've already established that we don't need a man because obviously the act of true love that saved Anna was her sister. Like, was herself, whatever. It was sisters. And we so, we already established... It was the act of, just the act of true love. The act of true love, yeah. So we already established, don't need a man. However, that friendship, like, a basis of doing life with someone, established. Beautiful. This movie should have continued to build that bridge of these two people doing life together. Not chasing across a mystical forest. So I, I am upset with them yeah. on, on that because they did Kristoff dirty. I'm going to keep yeah. coming back no, to that. I, I absolutely agree. And, and that's something that is, and I'm flipping to another movie right now, but I'm just ready. to prove the point, something that's so endearing about Tangled is you get to see Flynn and Rapunzel and their friendship Correct. form, and then it turns into something more. And it's beautiful. And I think you see that in Beauty and the Beast. Correct. Um... You know, there are lots of films where, where you see that, and it, it's done so beautifully well. And um, so anyway, that just, yeah. And I, I do remember leaving the theater when I saw Frozen 2, and I was like, so why are we dogging on guys wanting to help girls? Mm-hmm. Because that's what I feel like this film kind of leaned into. It, it... <sighs> Until it didn't want to lean into it anymore. Yes. And then Kristoff was like, what do you need? You know? Yes. And then... But it wasn't until the very end. The rest of the time, it was just him wanting to be there for her, but she wouldn't let him. Correct. Because she was too focused on her sister. Yes. And so I just I just think there was a disconnect there. So we don't need to harp on that anymore. <laughs> yeah, because we sorry, got, y'all. But... We got a little, <laughs> got got a little, little heated. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I just... All of this said, I think we have touched pretty much everything. Yeah. And if we haven't, I'm sure... The listeners of Magic Through My Eyes will let us know. <laughs> um, they can but get us feuding. I'm trying feuding. to get the fjord thing happening and fjord, I'm not saying it right. Fjording. fjording. Um, um. But 
basically, my consensus on this is I've learned new things about Frozen 2 I hadn't thought about before. I think in the end, like I said, I am just a traditional Disney girl. I love my simple, just clear-cut, tight, efficient story. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I love Frozen so much. And I, I love the music in Frozen. I, I do enjoy the music in Frozen, too. Um, just not as much as Frozen. Okay, I'm going to say one more thing. Some things never change. The ironic thing about that song is that everything they speak of in that song changes. That they talk about won't change, it changes. Except they say a line at the very end of the song. Elsa says, and I promise you the flag of Arendelle will always Correct. fly. And then that's when the chorus comes in saying our yep. flag will always fly. And so for me, everything else that they talk about in that song that won't change does change, except the fact that Arendelle still survives. And I think it would have been a better story if they would have let Arendelle be obliterated by mm-hmm. the breaking of the dam. And really? so that way Anna and Kristoff could rebuild Arendelle together. I think that would have made so much more sense. And especially because the basically something's never change is like a self-fulfilling prophecy mm-hmm. until the last moment when they say, oh, yeah, the flag of Arendelle will always fly. And then it still does where everything else changes. Mm-hmm. And so I think they I'm sure they tease the idea of like, well, what if we just let Arendelle go down? Yeah. I think they should have let it. And I think it would have created a really teachable moment of like man a lot of things have changed but one thing that hasn't is that line where it says how I'm holding on tight to you yes and even if all we have is each other we're gonna rebuild Mm -hmm. and we're gonna do this and so I think it would have been so cool to like end the film like Anna's coronation is is great and I, I am not opposed to that but literally um uh, Anna and Kristoff linking arms, holding hands, rebuilding Arendelle together. Yeah. Like, I, I think, think that would have been phenomenal. See, and I think that would have been a... I very much approve of that edit to the ending. And I think that that creates such a beautiful, um, powerful moment. Especially with Some Things Never Change. And if they end it with a reprise of Some Things Never Change... Um, like going out just like a an ode to it in some way. Um, even just like the melody of it yeah. in the score, yeah, just you know, even if they like, didn't want to do a full reprise, you know, or even just the ensemble as the ensemble and the people of Arendelle. And that's the thing, like, because, and I do, but I do see why, because, um, you know, when Elsa says the flag of Arendelle will always fly, I don't think that necessarily, like, it could have, they could have all been destroyed. And the flag of Arendelle, I think, is representative of the people of Arendelle. They are always going to be there for mm. each other. And so having that beautiful moment of Anna and Kristoff and all the people of Arendelle coming together to rebuild their home and having a beautiful little reprise of mm. them just, like, singing or humming, some things never change. But, like, you sure. know, obviously everything has changed. However, they're all still there for each other. I think that would have been a beautiful ending. Um, yeah. And then, you know, you still could have had the little paper airplane moment to go see where Elsa's, you know, hanging out for the time being. But um, mm-hmm. I agree with that. I think that okay. would have been beautiful. I, I've got it. Are you ready for this I'm edit? Ready. 
I'm ready. Okay. So the dam has broken, the water is pouring, and Elsa can still, like, run down with the water horse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And try to save Arendelle. But let's say that she's unsuccessful. Yes. And Arendelle goes down. Yes. And then Elsa has to confront... Right, she doesn't make it in time. And then Elsa has to confront this... I didn't make it in time. Mm -hmm. Like, I failed. Mm -hmm. And then Anna and Kristoff and the whole gang coming and embracing her and saying, that doesn't matter. Because the only thing that doesn't change is how we hold on tight to each other. Yeah. And how we love each other. And then I picture Elsa going back to the remains and, like, on her water horse and going and finding the flag of Arendelle that was at the tip of beautiful their mm-hmm. palace mm-hmm. and finding it in the water and handing it to Anna and saying this is yours now and then they go and rebuild yes how cool would that have been that would have been beautiful you know what and now granted I, that of, isn't fully fleshed out but that's but, just kind of yeah. what a picture in my but mind but then like in the midst of that maybe in the midst of all the rebuilding we finally see like either like that first cornerstone placed or like some sort of mm. big important moment of rebuilding, and that's when Kristoff proposes, saying, "You know, oh. I am willing to build a life with you, as we're rebuilding oh. our lives in Arendelle." You know? Wow! Yeah, that would have been so good. See, I'm like getting emotional thinking about that. Disney hire us. <laughs> I mean, I am. But well, like, Disney already hired you. Other coast. I need Disney to go to the West Coast. Yeah, we gotta go to the West Coast. <laughs> hire us. Um, Here's my resume. I'm available. Well, so basically we've solved all the problems that we feel like these movies have thrown our way. We created a reprise for Frozen, uh, a musical ending for Frozen, and then a rewritten ending for Frozen 2. So I call this episode a success. I am honored to have been a part of this with you, honestly. Oh, thank you. And and here's the thing. I I don't know if you remember this, but this is pulling from memories from years ago. I haven't ever mentioned this on the show, but Lindsay and I and a couple of our friends, it was started by my sister. We had this little party group and we threw parties for people and it was called Party Party Elephant. And I remember we would be in brainstorming meetings together of like what we wanted to do for theming and things like that for different events. And I just remember being like guys I'm gonna say this idea and it's horrible but it was from those ideas that we said that were like really bad (laughs) that we got the best ideas ever and so I see this conversation about Frozen and Frozen 2 and our likes and our dislikes and all of this and look we created something out of it wow yeah and I think that that really speaks to um it's like that verse in Proverbs that says iron sharpens iron yeah Mm mm-hmm uh, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Yeah. And that's how I see you, Lindsay. Aww. And um, I I think it's just, I'm like genuinely really inspired at this moment to, to just encourage whatever it is for those who are listening. And I'm talking to myself too. Like, don't be afraid to have those conversations and have differing opinions and maybe throw out some bad ideas because from there, something beautiful can come. Like a better ending to Frozen 2. Um, <laughs> that was what came out of this conversation, she said, in my opinion. Shots fired. Shots fired. Um, but anyway, so I think we're going to wrap it up here. Linz, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Like, oh. this has been such a joy. 
and I can't wait to have you back. And of course, I'm sure when I mentioned it earlier to everyone that Lindsay does work at Walt Disney World, you were thinking this was going to be like a, ooh, we're going <laughs> to talk about Disney World stuff. And I'm like, nope, nope. the Frozen feud. Psych. Um, but all of that said, we will for sure have to have you back on, Lindsay, and probably talk about parks and, you know, all of that fun stuff. Because I know you have a very unique perspective <laughs> uh, that... I'm sure our listeners would love to hear. And um, so seriously, thank you so much for, for doing this with me and doing such a off the wall episode of like, let's talk about what we don't like <laughs> and like what we disagree on and all this stuff. But like we created something, something out of beautiful. it, man, yeah. that's Jesus for you. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, seriously, it has been such a joy to have you on. Um, yeah. Do you have any final thoughts or I do I was actually salutations um I absolutely do because I want to thank you um just for creating this space for Disney lovers like myself and for all your listeners um you are such a joy and every time you talk about Disney because of you know um the connections the memories what um it means to you what it means to me because obviously it is impactful and it inspires so many people and even though we talked about like you know we had a we feuded I am air quoting since you guys can't see me um uh we created something so beautiful and I just want to thank you for hosting and creating this space for all those Disney lovers um, and I always love our Disney conversations because they are so fantastic. And I've actually, I can't believe we, like, it's taken us this long to have a conversation where we disagree on things. I know. That this was kind of fun. Wild, but I loved it so much. <laughs> like, I learned so many different perspectives. And that is also what I love about having conversations that are either weird or hard or where you think you're going to get like some contradiction or some friction. Um, Mm -hmm. And to, again, encourage your listeners um, and to encourage myself because sometimes it's scary or hard, not in this instance, but like in life, it can be scary or hard to have conversations like that. But if you go into it with an open mind and an open heart and a willingness just to be heard and to hear the other person, which is always the harder part, like you never know what you're going to make. And it's what true. you're going to learn. And, like, I feel like I need to go rewatch Frozen because of all of these perspectives that you have given me about it. And the reason that you love it and the reason you love those characters. And I'm like, oh, I didn't see it that way. Now I need to go watch this movie and see it through your eyes. So thank you for oh. showing me Frozen through your eyes. Wow. Way to bring it around. Way to bring it home. Wow. Well, didn't know thank you. I definitely will uh, am rethinking my thoughts on Frozen 2 and I'm not just saying that but (laughs) it just you know what you had to say was really informative and it really made me think so seriously thank you so much for being on today and I love you and um, to all of our sweet viewers or not viewers um, our listeners thank you so much for tuning in If you have any questions or here's a question for you, our listeners, um, 
which Frozen movie is your favorite Ooh. and why. Mm. Email magicthroughmyeyespod at gmail.com and I would love to hear your responses and I'm hoping that maybe in the next episode we'll carve out some time to be able to read those responses. So thank you guys for tuning in. Love you all so much and have a magical day. I'll see you real soon.